strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. Hi, and welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Robin. And I'm Jen. And this week on Notorious Knowledge, I'm going to tell you about a weird fun fact. Awesome. So in Derbyshire, England, there is a local custom that is a little strange. So for the people of Derbyshire, they preserve their teeth in jars until their deaths. After which, the teeth are put inside their coffins and buried with them. Mothers would also preserve the teeth of their infant children and keep them in jars. It is said that when you go to heaven, you will have to account for all of the teeth that you have ever had upon the earth. A man said that his grandmother used to call out at a funeral, have you got his teeth in the coffin with him? Or don't bury him without his teeth. I have so many questions. So it is also said that on Judgment Day, those who have failed to have their teeth with them will be sent to hell, where they will be forced to look for their lost teeth in a bucket of blood. And it's a very specific legend and thing that just this area. So you have to keep your teeth every tooth. So do you remove them before you pass? So are you gumming? basically your no i think that like any teeth that you still have in your head count and then any tooth that you lose what if it shatters you have to to put the pieces otherwise you have to go to hell and search in a bucket of blood yeah okay that okay so let's say i mean this happens all the time but let's say a kid yeah just you know just swallows it eating a piece of banana and ate his tooth yeah he has to wait for it to come out. I think his mom has to go rifling through his poo. It's like she needs to oh, put a glove on and, and get after also, it. What if you are those people that have like the silver tooth and the gold tooth? Do you get extra acceptance in this heaven? Because Unlikely. you're like, well, yeah. I think I have a- I have this tooth, but check check this boy baby out. Look at this one. Look at this guy right there. I don't think you so. Know? I think it's a numbers game. I think it's like you better have the full set. The full set of babies, the full set of adults. What is that, 26? 26? Don't ask Between me questions. 26 I don't know the and 30 to. teeth, I think. You better have all 55 in your in your jar, in your coffin. Because not only that, they believe that it has to be in your coffin. Yeah. Which is not clearly heaven. So No, so yeah. in, in, in that case, it's something that they take to the afterlife, right? So it's right. like, it's so, a belonging, it's something that's sacred to them. But it's fucking teeth. Yeah. So the I was like, the point is people used to sell their teeth so they can pay rent. That I found this. These people are keeping them. Weird book called Household Tales with Other Traditional Remains cool. by Sydney Oldhall Addy, and it's all of these really sort of bizarre legends and folklore that are very specific to different areas in Great Britain. And it is available. All you have to do is Google it, and the whole text Sounds pops up. And there, it, that is one of many yeah, weird cool. things in there. So the Derbyshire teeth. That's awesome. Also, just to remind you to uh, check out our Patreon, where we upload two exclusive episodes every month just for our patrons. 
Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash narratives and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com slash narratives to get started today. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi, People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are, rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know. Try to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to. (laughs) Podcasts on yeah, podcast your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. All right, so you want to get into this uh, topic for the evening? What you got for me tonight? Since we are pretty close to Fourth of July, which here in America is Independence Day, and yes, we get yes. very excited about it, I am going to talk about the history. Of fireworks. Which are not even remotely close to American. So let's go. Exactly. Let's do it. So I just wanted to warn you, looking at the history of fireworks, the dates are all over the place. So try to keep up. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it. So like many inventions, including chocolate chip cookies, penicillin, and microwaves, they were all invented by accident. But there is one invention that was developed over a thousand years ago and came into the scene with a bang. That is gunpowder. Gunpowder was invented in ancient China during the Tang Dynasty and was called Yao or flaming medicine. In the 9th century, Chinese alchemists were bent on trying to discover formula that would produce an elixir for immortality. Reports show that while experimenting with saltpeter, which is potassium nitrate, alchemists would mix 75 parts of saltpeter, 15 parts of charcoal, and 10 parts of sulfur. It didn't help with internal life, but the mixture did explode in a very spectacular way when it met with fire. It is considered that this was what led to the invention of fireworks, but there are some historians who think that they came from India or the Middle East. But regardless, the Chinese made good use of this mixture. The first fireworks were made by packing bamboo shoots full of the mixture and would throw these into a fire. Paper tubes eventually took the place of bamboo shoots, and then they also added fuses that were made of fine tissue paper. If you attended a fireworks show in 800 AD, it is, of course, nothing what we are used to today. These paper fireworks were also used to scare away the evil spirits and were simply thrown into a fire, and they were not blasted into the air, which is what we recognize as fireworks. There was also no added color, so the original fireworks were actually just orange, And so these fireworks were just simply small, noisy explosions. During the Song Dynasty, which was between 960 to 1279, many common folks would purchase various kinds of fireworks from the market vendors, and grand displays of fireworks were also held in the area. In 1110, a large firework display in a marital demonstration was held to entertain Emperor Husong of Song, who reigned in 1100 to 1125, and it entertained his entire court. In England, rulers used firework displays to entertain their followers, 
The first royal fireworks display is thought to have taken place on Henry VII's wedding day in 1486. And in 1685, James II's coronation presentation was so amazing that it earned the firemakers a knighthood. Nice. Peter the Great of Russia put on a five-hour fireworks show to mark the birth of his son. A record from 1294 says that a rocket-propelled firework went off near the Empress Dagon's Gong Shang and startled her during a feast that was held in her honor by her son, Emperor Lisong of Song, which was between which he reigned from 1224 to 1264. In 1240, the Arabs acquired knowledge of gunpowder and its uses from China. A Syrian named Hassan al-Ramah wrote about rockets and fireworks using the terms that suggested that he gained his knowledge from the Chinese because he refers to these fireworks as Chinese flowers. Fireworks can be a lot of fun and great for celebrations, but gunpowder, like any other new technology, was adapted for military use pretty quickly. No doubt. Yeah. There are records that suggest that the first use of gunpowder against a military enemy was as early as 904 AD when the forces of Chinese Song Dynasty employed it against the Mongolians. Gunpowder was used as flying fire, which was an arrow with a small tube of burning gunpowder attached. It caused the arrows to speed towards their enemies like little rockets. It was also used in flamethrowers, hand grenades, and other weapons. It took about another century, century and a half, before the Song government started to really worry about the secret of their invention and the possibilities of it falling into other countries' hands. Whole century. Took them a century to realize that people probably also want to blow you up. Yeah. Yeah. So despite the Chinese placing a ban on the sale of the saltpeter to any foreigners around 1076, it was inevitable that the word of gunpowder would get out. News of it made its way down to the Silk Road, into India, and the Middle East, and eventually to Europe. In 1295, Marco Polo brought fireworks to Europe from Asia. From there, the West developed the technology into a more powerful weapons. People in the West still retain the original idea of fireworks and use them during celebrations as well. Gestures would also entertain crowds with fireworks in medieval England, and so on. By 1530, both the English and French militaries had developed gunpowder cannons, which they used against each other during the Hundred Years' War. Similar cannons were also used by the Ottoman Turks in their siege of Constantinople in 1453. It was around the same time that the first handgun also appeared. It's obvious to say that gunpowder fundamentally changed the shape of war. Before its invention, battles had to be fought at a more intimate distance, and walls and forts were a realistic protection. It sort of sucks because, like, I love fireworks, but, like, I didn't realize that with, like, if there had never been fireworks, there would also never have been guns. It is sort of ironic that those alchemists who attempted to find the elixir of immortality created the ingredient for mass destruction. So I'm going to get a little into more about fireworks and less gunpowder. I would love to talk more (laughs) about fireworks. If you attended a fireworks show in the 1600s, the science would not have been much different from ancient China, but it was a lot more entertaining. Still only orange, the celebrations were run by firemasters and their assistants that they called the Green Men. Before the show, the Green Men named this due to the leaves that they wore to protect themselves from the sparks, would tell jokes to the crowd while they get prepared for the event. Being a green man, however, was a very dangerous position, and many were injured or even killed when the fireworks malfunctioned. 
During the Renaissance, pyrotechnic schools were popping up across Europe. The schools taught eager students how to create elaborate explosions. So let's talk a little bit about how they work. Each modern firework consists of an aerial shell. This is a tube that contains gunpowder and dozens of small pods. Each of these pods is called a star. These stars are about one to one and a half inches in diameter and hold fuel, an oxidizing agent, a binder, and a metal salt or metal oxidized for color. A firework also has a fuse that is lit to ignite the gunpowder. Each star makes one dot into the fireworks explosion. So every time you see it, that's yeah. a star. That's pretty cool to kind of visualize. Yeah. I mean, because you think about the giant ones. And I know. like all yeah. stars. So all those stars are in one massive chute. Yeah. And each star consists of its a own ingredient. Yeah. Right. It's pretty cool. So when the colorants are heated. It's like a million Tide Pods in the air. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God, Tide Pods. So when the colorants are heated, their atoms absorb energy and then produce light as they lose excess energy. Different chemicals produce the different amounts of energy, which causes the different colors. The Italians were actually the ones that created mixtures for, with various other chemicals, which produced firework displays with modern colors. And I'm going to give you a little information on what goes into each color. So blue is made from copper chloride compounds. Reds are made with strontium salts, strontium carbonite, and lithium salts. Purple is the combining of both the blue and the red. Orange is created with the calcium salts and calcium chloride, and green is made with barium chloride and other barium compounds. So I'm going to talk a little bit about different types of firework celebrations around the world. When the English royals weren't competing with Europe for the best firework displays, they were introducing fireworks to the 13 colonies across the Atlantic. As Europeans traveled to the New World, so did the firework recipes. Some say that Captain John Smith set off the first American display in Jamestown, Virginia in 1608. If you ever wondered why we celebrate Independence Day with those colorful explosions, we can thank the British and John Adams. On July 2nd of 1776, two days before the signing of the Declaration of Independence, Adams wrote a letter to his wife. He said, This day will be most memorable in the history of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, bonfires and illuminations, from one end of this content to the other, from this time forward forevermore. And so July 4th, 1777, fireworks lit up the sky. The next year, right on top of it. And in 1731, mind you, before all this happened, Rhode Island outlawed the use of fireworks for mischievous ends. And in the 1890s, other states and some cities actually created regulations to control how and when and where the fireworks will be used. Well, you said that Rhode Island banned them for mischievous Mischievous purpose. ends. Yeah. I mean, the 4th of July celebration isn't mischievous. No, but the ban... Like, um, I know They're not all our friends, shall we? He I only know. uses fireworks for mischief. Always for evil. I, I just find it funny because, you know, even growing up... You weren't allowed to buy or use them in your home, but you're allowed to go to these elaborate festivals where professionals were well, there. These these um, fireworks came from out of state. So you weren't allowed to buy I them wasn't allowed or use them. Well, now we are. I New am Jersey, New from Jersey Tennessee. Now. They were heavily sold, huge displays. I'm talking 
like the paper tube yeah. that it comes in like that like cannon mm-hmm. you could buy like two foot round ones well you can you can buy that and it's funny because pennsylvania you were and, allowed to yeah. sell fireworks you weren't allowed to light them right you're so not allowed new to jersey light them. went to pennsylvania to buy them and came back and lit them in new jersey it's like all over the place but now i think new jersey passed a law where you can purchase fireworks in the state and i guess they realized how much money they were losing yeah and we, now it's everywhere we could buy them it was illegal to set them off, but the ticket was $26. So everybody felt like it was completely worth the $26 ticket I mean, if you, if you four actually people. got it. Right. So here are some other firework celebrations from around the world. In France, fireworks are traditionally displayed on the eve of Bastille Day, which is July 14th, to commemorate the French Revolution and the storming of the Bastille in 1789. Every city in France lights up the sky for the occasion with a special mention to Paris that offers a show around the Eiffel Tower. In Hungary, their national celebration day is August 20th, where there is a giant festival of fireworks. In India, they celebrate with fireworks as part of their popular Festival of the Lights, and it lasts very long. It lasts through October all the way through November every year. In Japan, during the summer, firework festivals are held pretty much every day somewhere within the country, sometimes about 200 times in just August alone. The festivals consist of large spectacles. Some can be as large as over 100 rounds of fireworks and can attract about 800,000 people. Street vendors set up stalls and sell various drinks and food, and the first ever firework festival was in 1733. Wowzers! In Malta, which is an island located between Sicily and North Africa, fireworks have been used for hundreds of years. When the islands were ruled by the Order of St. John, fireworks were used on a special occasion such as the election of a new Grand Master, the appointment of a new Pope, or the birth of a Prince. I'm sorry, what's a Grand Master? I don't know. Okay. Nowadays, fireworks are used in villages' feasts throughout the summer, and the Malta International Fireworks is also held annually. So in Monte Carlo, pyrotechnic experts from around the world have competed in the country since 1966. The festival runs from July to August every year, and the winner returns on November 18th for the firework display on the night before the National Day of Monaco. The event is held in Port Hercules, beginning around 9.30 p.m. every night, depending on the time of the sunset. In Singapore, there is an annual event held as part of its National Day celebrations. The festival features local and foreign teams, which launch displays on different nights. While currently non-competitive in nature, the organizer has plans to introduce a competitive element in the future. I want to watch a competitive fireworks display. The annual festival has grown in magnitude. So this is only about 10 years ago, but it went from 4,000 rounds in 2004 jumped all the way to 10,000 rounds in 2006, and it just keeps growing and growing. United Kingdom, one of the biggest occasions for fireworks in the UK is Guy Fawkes Night. Yes. Held each year on November 5th to celebrate the foiling of the Catholic gunpowder plot, which occurred in 1605, which was an attempt to kill King James I. Remember, remember, the 5th of November. (laughs) Lastly, the United States. America's earliest settlers brought their enthusiasm fireworks to the United States. Fireworks and black ash were used to celebrate important events long before the American Revolutionary War. 
1789, George Washington's inauguration was accompanied by a firework display. This early fascination with fireworks, noise, and color continues today, including the giant Macy's Day firework display that is held in New York City on July 4th every year. But in 2004, Disneyland in California pioneered the commercial use of aerial fireworks launched with a compressed air rather than gunpowder. Huh. The display shell explodes in the air using an electric timer, and the advantages of the compressed air launch are the reduction of flames and a great accuracy in height and timing. The Walt Disney Company is now the largest consumer of fireworks in the United States. Yeah, because they do them every night. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's magic at the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> so just know that if you watch fireworks celebrations today, remember that you are witnessing over 2,000 years of danger, invention, and beauty wrapped into a simple package. From exploding bamboo to parcels of gunpowder and metals, our sciences and our world have come a long way. Even the most common science often has a wonderful and fascinating history. So that is the story of the invention of fireworks. Not so much an elixir for immortality, but a mixture for celebration and war. Just another notorious narrative. If you enjoy our episodes, you can also go to patreon.com slash notorious narratives, where you can access exclusive content. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to be notified when a new episode is available. Keep it weird and never stop exploring.